0: Hello! This is the Find the Outside podcast. I'm Tim Merry. And I'm Tuesday Ryan Hart. This week on the podcast, we're going to talk about hope and uh, and the role of hope, you know. And, and to be honest, like Tuesday and I were chatting about what we might talk about this morning. And this comes directly out of a conversation in the kitchen of my house before the kids mm. went to school today, you know. And, uh, where my, my little boy, Ollie, obviously he's been listening to me and Katie talking about what's happening in the news and stuff like that. And he was just like, is that, you know, is there going to be world war three? was one of his questions this morning. And the other question was, um, was like, do you think that the, uh, he basically said, do you think the environment's going to be there when I get older?
1: You Mm. know, I mean, like, Mm. it was like,
0: like, I mean, that was basically what he said, you know, do you think nature's going to be there when I get older? Mm. And, um and so those are two pretty intense questions and, and yeah, you know, <laughs> before school, you know, just, before school. Just, he's, he's exactly. sitting there just, he's sitting down by the heater with his bowl of cereal, you know, cause they sit on the heaters in the morning. Cause it's been so cold this time of day. We've got that forced mm-hmm. air thing. So they sit on the heaters, yeah. Elliot sits on the heater and he wraps his wraps his blanket around him. So it traps the heat as it comes up through the heater.
1: Yeah. I love that. I used to do that all the Did time. Did you used to do that as love a kid? We oh, never, I never yeah. had
0: forced air as a kid. We only had like mm-hmm. water radiators, you know? Oh Oh yeah. That was like yeah. in all of our houses, at the schools I went to, like that was the, you know, if there was even heat in some of the rooms at the school. Uh, so anyway, so they're sitting there and, and, you know, and so my response was, you know, like in many ways, Ollie, like I have given up a sense of hope you know, like, Mm -hmm. like I'm not necessarily working in, in my work or my life, because he has some understanding of what I'm up to, Mm -hmm. you know, with the belief that we're necessarily going to get results, you know, or results Mm -hmm. that I'm going to see. I'm just doing my best to do the best I can with what's right in front of me, you know, Mm -hmm. to find, Mm -hmm. you know, in the, in the Thomas Merton quote, to find some like rightness in the work itself, to surrender the hope of results and find rightness in the work itself. Like, if the world was ending tomorrow, would I change what I was doing today? You know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. does the work feel right? And then also to be in the best relationships I possibly could with, could be mm-hmm. with the people who are around me, you know? That, like, my real nice. legacy will be the relationships I have with people, you know? And like my wife, Katie was like horrified and she's like, but no hope is like this essential ingredient, you know, it's like, it mm. kind of like draws us into the future. And and she was like, Oliver, don't you ever surrender hope? And, then, and so we had this like beautiful little, you know, conversation that Ollie was joining in on and around hope, you know, and, um, and, and, uh, and you and I have talked about this before Jews, you know, in our work and our conversations and, uh, and then I just came across this quote this morning um, from, a, from William the Silent from the Netherlands, which said, it is not necessary to hope in order to persevere. And, uh, and I just think that's, you know, at least from our conversations and, and as we've been talking, there's one story that I've come across in our work, which is around the, the, the surrendering of hope was one of the things that enabled people to survive the concentration camps during Mm -hmm. world war ii Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and it's a story that margaret Wheatley used to tell and as part of her keynotes and stuff like that Mm -hmm. or when i was working with her you know Mm -hmm. and then i've heard you tell stories of like how important hope has been to those who were enslaved in north america so Mm -hmm. it's kind of like to gather together and build community and survive, you know, a, a, a period of massive in, of enslavement across a, yeah. a across, a, across a continent. And so, um, mm-hmm. and so like those two things are there, you know, yeah. and that was like, and it was the conversation we were in this morning in my little kitchen. And so yeah. I thought, well, you know, maybe that'd be a good conversation for us to bring into the podcast. Hope.
1: Yeah, I love it. I love that you brought it in. Because at first she said, well, let's talk about kind of the politics of the world. And I was like, I got, I got nothing to say. Like, I'm like, you know, but hope about how I'm feeling about the world and, um, and hope in the face of this overwhelming um despair and evil that seems to be kind of bearing down on us uh quickly um i've got i think a lot to say about that so thank you for kind of like shifting that i feel like it's really important and i have a i have a fundamental question about i mean because i don't actually think we're that far apart uh because i often think no um Uh, I think hope might not be, oh my gosh, I'm going to change the world. It just might be the, but I'm going to do what I can do right here, right in front of me. Right. So, Mm -hmm. uh, so I think it's kind of like scale of hope. And I have a question, like, as you said that, and you said, Katie came in and said, never give up hope. And I just had a question also. And I know all, I don't even love that all roads lead here, but I'm still going to just say it. Like I have a question when I hear some people, especially um, a lot of like, Middle and upper middle class white men despairing. I'm just kind of like, <laughs> I know, whatever. I have a, Sorry, I just I, re-
0: re- readers couldn't see me making a, making a face at Tuesday. Like I, I raised my arms of like, what do you mean?
1: I, I just have, a, it feels a little self indulgent, just like, oh, I'm without hope. I'm cynical. It just feels a little like, well, great. Cause you, great. That's great. Uh, <laughs> and I'm going to be over here, like, actually, um, uh not giving in to my self-indulgent cynicism. I'm gonna mm. be over here like doing something. And um and uh and so I, I do there are two pieces. Uh the quote that comes to me that I just actually thought it it's kind of um was it Tony Morrison quote? So she oh, says, I love you want to you know exactly right? It's from the Song of Solomon and, and one of the quotes is you mm. want to fly, you gotta give up the shit that weighs you down. And I mean it just for me that quote is so forward looking it's so invincible it's so indicative of what i think is the legacy of formerly enslaved people of hope like it's not it's not like can you fly it's not like oh my god is the world gonna let you fly it's like yeah you want to fly like it's the assumption is you want to and you will then you got to let up Mm. you got to let some shit that weighs you down and for me that shit is cynicism and despair and like that's part of like it's not It's not giving up hope. And so I just, I just really think like I think about my ancestors, and there's that quote, you know, we are our ancestors' wildest dreams. And like, yeah, Mm. I just like fully believe that my ancestors on both my African American side and my Irish and, uh, you know, uh, Czech side had deep hope as they left their shores, the Czech and Irish, right? Probably not the Africans, right? Probably not deep hope there. Um, But that there was something different, something better, something we can do. And so it just, it feels, I I understand the perspective of not holding hope in the impact of your actions, right? Like don't do it because you think, but it, but that also feels like, that comes from a people who know that their actions will make a difference in the world. So somehow is steeped in privilege. Whereas like my ancestors always had hope for next generation, even if what was it, what did so okay, just say on this podcast, 244 years of enslavement. That is generations, right. generations mm. of people mm. who were not going to be able to change that major condition still had hope for their ancestors. Right. So it's like, right. it's not about impact and that feels somehow so I I feel like I uh, 100% agree. I don't know if what we're doing is going to make a difference. But I also feel like really hopeful that it might or even really hopeful that I'm doing it with really good people. Uh yeah. so it's just like I, I I yeah, there's something there. There's something about cynicism and privilege and um letting you off the hook or posturing or performance. I don't know. There's some, there's some mix there that I can't quite figure out, but it strikes me when we talk about hope as a concept. I'm not being very articulate. So I'll, I'll let you talk for a minute and I'll see where I can find myself. Wow,
0: they, you, just like, you, know, you just like dropped a whole bunch on me. Look, I've got, I've got like so many layers of response. You know what I mean? So I'm almost, uh, where, where do I start? So I feel like we are heading, in, we are in the midst of a level of crisis right that is now beginning to truly impact middle classes and middle mm. to upper classes
1: mm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: right in a way it hasn't perhaps before in other generations or periods in such a pervasive scale scope and reach right mm-hmm. um, and so so i think that's a piece of it you know so i think i think that's a piece of the class response
1: mhm mhm
0: right? That I just want to kind of identify, right? And, uh, and have some compassion for and not be, and not pretend it's not a product of privilege. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And, uh, so all of that. And then I think the, uh, cause we're just using so many good quotes today, that other quote, you know, when we were reading through, I, I remember it's in, it's integrated into one of my poems somewhere, you know, that quote from Rumi, uh, who was this Sufi mystic poet in like the 13th century, sit down and be quiet. You are drunk. And this is the edge of the roof. that, mm. that there's a piece of like, how does hope coincide with or coexist with a, a, a seeing, a, a, an acknowledgement that that's where we are? we're drunk and standing on the edge of the roof mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Do, do you know what i mean mm-hmm. and like and i think that is something if we take this back into a class conversation mm-hmm. i think that is a i think that is something that like middle and upper classes you know or ruling classes or more privileged classes or peoples are being forced to acknowledge now mm. we're drunk and standing on the edge of the roof but mm-hmm. there are in people there are peoples who have been enslaved for 244 years who've been like We've been standing on the fucking roof, drunk, we think, that you know what I mean? Yeah. On the yeah. edge for 300 years, 400 years, yeah. 700 years. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think yeah. there is something going on. I think there is something in that.
1: That's good. It was nice for you to say that you have compassion for it. I don't know that I have a compassion or lack of compassion. It just doesn't feel all that interesting to me. It doesn't feel like yeah. where, the, um, where I want to be putting my attention. Um, and... There are also so many things happening um, right now that I think actually do give me legitimate hope, right? Like I feel like that's the other thing I actually wonder. I actually wonder about my own lens and perspective because we work with really amazing people trying really hard who care about issues of equity sometimes I actually worry if i get if i get a skewed perspective right because i'm yeah. in that with those folks all the time so i feel yeah. like there's no lack of material for hope for me right yeah. like i get to hear from people and talk to people and see people moving and making change and so it's like you know like my vantage point and right now is of people who are actively working and trying you know to make something that's our day-to-day
0: work, right? I mean, that is literally the constellations of humans we have around us within the Mm -hmm. outside and Mm -hmm. amazingly the clients that we're partnering with to try and get stuff done.
1: Right. And I don't, Tim, I think, I feel like it doesn't, I don't think for any moment, I, I don't think what is coming is bad or hard or that many of us will be hurt and that many of us I mean, I just, I mean, I, I can't fathom actually what I think is about to come down. Right. I think you it's know, already we coming. I mean, right.
0: It's underway.
1: Right. And, um, that's true. And I'm fortunate enough in our work to be on the people who are working, already working for a different future, right. Can mm. see it coming down the path and are working for, so not to underestimate like the, the, if we want to use the word privilege, we're not using it in the same way, but like just the yeah. the gift of being from this particular vantage point and doing this particular work. Oh, I also wanted to say one of the things that happened to me, I've, I think I shared this with you. So, uh, you know, I went to Burning Man this year, which is, you know, it's an amazing place and, you know, has lots, lots of wonderful things about it and some problematic things about it. Uh, but on the playa one night, I was looking around and so the playa really comes alive at night, right? Because there's no infrastructure. So there's no light. So everything has to be lit up, right? You have to wear lights on your clothes and lights on mm. your bites and all the art installations. And there are hundreds and hundreds of art installations, right? And like you, a week of going out every day and night, we didn't see everything there. So there are hundreds of art. In, oh, right. it was amazing.
0: Like it's 85,000. 85, people, people it? right? I mean, that
1: just come together for these yeah, seven days <clears throat> and just make a city. Uh, and and it's all around art, so, and there's the art installations, right? Which are like set up places and they're hundreds of feet away from each other and you kind of bike between them. But then there are also these art cars, right? So people make moving vehicles that are art. And so I was on the playa and I was looking around and and I was just the brilliance and creativity on display, like Every single place I looked, and understanding that there was so much brilliance and creativity that I could not even see it all if I walked constantly for seven days trying to look at it all. There was too much there. And I had this moment of, and it was that brilliance and creativity, seeing what people did, and then also realizing, Tim, almost all of it was gifted in. People just did it because they loved it, they loved to create. They loved what they were doing. These huge sculptures, these movable vehicles that were playing music for people and giving out food and there was dancing and drinks. And it was like the the sheer audacity of the amount of creativity all being gifted to other human beings. I just had this moment of like complete hope. Like we as a species can do this. If this kind of creativity is alive in us and we're willing to just give it away, if we can somehow figure out a way to make that ethos right part of the world and what we're facing, I just had the thought, there's nothing we can't do. There's nothing we can't do. Human beings are brilliant. And that's when I had the same thought of like, it's going to be really hard and it's going to be really dark and it's going to be really awful until we get to the other side. And I will not deny that there's a part of me that believes we will. That's a hope. It's just a hope. Other people might disagree, but it's true.
0: I mean, there's this kind of like line of like, so this isn't about the planet. This is about our species. Like the planet's going to be fine. like hundred mm-hmm.
1: percent. Life is
0: not in danger.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Like what's in danger is our species.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right?
0: And so I think that is a, that is a question. I'll choose. I've got like so many like recurring, just, just questions here. You know, mm. I've got like, you know, I've got. And so i'm just going to kind of name them Great. and uh, we may not all, may not deal with them all but Great. I'm, just, I'm really appreciating this conversation so one is something around this kind of analysis that becoming acquainted with despair but still maintaining hope is uh um is a is an issue of class or an issue of privilege or an issue of uh how insulated your life has been mm. right mm-hmm and so i've just got i've got inquiry around that i've got i've got question about what it means to not engage that right to not work with that right and what that means for you know populations who like if we who hold significant amounts of privilege wealth many of the things that if we could leverage them mm right, would massively support our ability to respond to an emerging future. And those those uh, patterns of hope mm. that if we could begin to amplify and accelerate them in the kind of language of the Vakana Institute, like that would be healthy. So I've got a question about that. I've got so questions about that. So I kind of want to get into that with you a little bit. Yeah,
1: go ahead. What do you got?
0: Um, and then this whole kind of um, like not everyone's going to make it, you know. Mm -hmm. like who's going to make it Mm -hmm. you know and like who's who's this going to impact like if we if we talk about the context we're in whether that's like you know escalating fragmentation and conflict whether that's about um, environmental uh, collapse or species collapse whether that's about uh economic uncertainty whether that's about mass movements of people whether i mean all of these patterns that we're seeing Mm -hmm, that are just mm -hmm. so i mean you don't you don't have to go far to find writing about it now you know whereas Mm -hmm. you might have done 20 years ago but like now it's like it's just very very mainstream um like who's going to survive that
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you know and there's a piece of me that can't help feeling like it's the fucking rich Mm. Mm. who's going to survive that mate everybody just everybody, just so everybody knows Mm. like the people who are insulated from that are the wealthy Mm -hmm. you know and often the very very wealthy Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know there's a level of insulation that they're able to keep but they're often the people who are holding decision-making power i mean even if i think about the very very wealthy where i live you know Mm
1: -hmm.
0: it's like they aren't impacted by an economic downturn in the province I live in. They don't even really care about an economic downturn in the province I live yeah. in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they're not really impacted. They don't feel it. Mm-hmm. They're not impacted by it. There's no there's no skin in that game Yeah. for them. You know, um, I don't know. I'm just like kind of listing the things that like are provoked by this conversation as we yeah. chat about it. You know,
1: I think that's a good question. Who's going to make it and who's not going to make it. I read a book recently. I'm so bad. I'm so bad. Uh, it's, it was something, it was maybe the battle for Puerto Rico. I don't, that doesn't sound exactly like the right title, but she was talking about how disaster capitalists have moved in after the hurricane. And now certainly I wonder about the, right. The, the earthquakes that have happened there recently. And I, I saw an article that said, well, the Bitcoin billionaires help Puerto Rico now. Right. So like Puerto Rico has been touted as this place that you can go now as a billionaire. Right. And begin to set up, yourself for when it all goes down. Right. Um, and certain. So then the question, of course, is then what will happen to the Puerto Ricans <laughs> who are there? Right. Uh, exactly. And so, I yeah, I mean, I think that that's a really, I mean, like what we know is, of course, with the current system, disproportionately, people of color are going to be impacted. Right. We just know that that's what's going to happen. That's where the mass migrations are happening or people are in lower classes. I mean, we know that that's going to happen. So I certainly don't say that with any flippancy. I say that with kind of like awareness that that's absolutely will be hurt first. Um, And I have a question about the scale of breakdown we're talking about, if there will be able to be insulation. I don't actually, I mean, I just have a question. I don't know, it doesn't make it okay or doesn't make it better or anything like that. But I actually do, like, as you said that, I'm like, I'm just wondering if there will be the ability, the capacity to be insulated um, with the amount of breakdown we're actually talking about. Because if markets break down, and we decide money actually is the, the figment that it is, right? You having all sorts of, I mean, I just, I don't know. I don't know how that plays out, but I have a I have a question about, yes, I think the rich will be the last to be hurt, but I don't know that any of us will be immune. And that doesn't make me feel better. I'm not saying that is a, like, it's an okay thing. I'm just uh, following mm-hmm. the train of thought. Mm-hmm. Following the train of thought. I don't know. It's, it felt like you wanted to say something about, this analysis about becoming acquainted with despair and then not not engaging that it felt like you had something to say. It didn't, I don't know that it felt so much like a question. It felt like more like you had some thought. It's
0: just the beginning of a thought. I Mm -hmm. mean, that's literally the beginning of a thought. Like, what does it mean? What does it mean to not prioritize engaging with the emergence of consciousness, uh, among the privileged classes, you know, or what have been to this point, the privileged classes. And I mean, let's be straight. I mean, we're in this conversation in a few places, but like, and the fragility Mm -hmm. that comes with that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's, it can be really annoying,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: bluntly. (laughs) you know, like, because, you know, this, this kind of awakening to the level of despair that actually is centuries old, but the truly breathing that in, because you're beginning to experience it.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Right, not because you've read a bunch of books about it and you've done your social justice and equity courses, and but like it's becoming experiential now. You know, I I don't know. There's there's something. I'm I'm intrigued. I'm I'm just intrigued by that. I'm intrigued. You know, in general, I'm intrigued around how we work with privilege Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. that's partly my fucking work. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Right. That's like part of my gig, man. Like that's what I want to figure out. I want to figure out how we do that you know um and how that gets integrated into how we think about significant change happening
1: yeah yeah
0: um but i also don't want it to be the thing that slows us down where we have to convince a bunch of very fragile people who are finally beginning to understand the level of oppression and uh systemic uh uh, inequity that has been playing out for generations and generations is actually real because they're beginning to feel the hard edge of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then they're feeling all guilt, guilty about that and like breaking down in tears and we can't even have a proper conversation because all of our time is dealt dealing with their emotional breakdown over their own guilt, you know, or whatever else it might be or defensiveness that happens or all the stuff that happens that actually gets in the way of us getting to work together. Right. You know, right. And, um, so I don't have answers. I just have like questions around that. I mean, I just find myself curious. And, uh, um, and the interesting thing for me, I think is that, you know, my background, um, like in some ways, and we've talked about this, the kind of, the, the, the path of the path that privilege gave me actually didn't make me particularly fragile in the face of very mm-hmm. intense, painful conversations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, in some ways it prepared me for it. Like the level of trauma that was associated with my privilege
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: prepared me actually quite right. well. <laughs> but that's not always true.
1: Right? Yeah. And yeah. So,
0: anyway, so I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm just talking, literally talking to you. But I don't, yeah. I, you know,
1: well, yeah. I feel like the other thing that I just want to say is um, it's not just like, do we engage it or don't we? It, for me, it feels like um, how and when. And not only like, it's like, how do we engage it? But also when do we engage it? Cause I don't think it's a yes, we engage it or we don't. Um, So for example, I feel like I do a lot of working with fragility in our work. I don't know that I want to do it with the people I hang out with. Do you know what I mean? Like that to me feels like a a discernment I get to make. Right. So it's not, it's not a yes, I will do it or I won't do it. It's like, actually I do quite a bit of that. In our work. right, And so right. I get to decide if I want to do that in my free time or in my other time, or how much energy right. do I have toward that particular dynamic? You know, yeah. just like I have the same decision on how much do I want to give to the dynamic of, oh my gosh, we're completely marginalized, victimized and oppressed and there's nothing we could ever do about it. Like I can, right. I'll, I'll work that all day long in our work, but I may not want yeah. to do that in other places. And so it's like, it's, for right. me, it's a little bit of discernment about how and when and why. And, um, and, uh, and, and I think everyone gets to decide what their own, their own energy level is. And yes, we have to push ourselves, uh, beyond what I, we think our energy is. I think the times require that of us, right? Like it's not enough to just be like, Nope, I can't. Um, cause I think the times are asking for something different and, you know, And we're still human beings and we still get to make discernments and we still get to have energy and impatience and learn more patience and all that. So it feels a little less cut and dried than just not engaging or engaging. Cause I think we're engaging with both things all of the time. All the
0: time. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that. And like, uh, I mean, I feel like one of the beauties of working with you is that like, you've constantly turned me and, uh, you know, and just, I mean, your basic message to me again and again and again has been build your own analysis.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Go to your, go into your family, into your history, into your past, into your own life, you mm-hmm. know, like understand the archetype, you know, and, and it's where Robert Wright also Mm. pointed me you know he's like mm. go into your own family and find the architect like understand mm. the archetypes that exist within your own family mm-hmm. you know they're out there They're all your, your family have psychological archetypes you know mm. like go understand that and like build your own analysis don't necessarily read the books around social justice and equity to find your own answers right right, right. actually the answers lie within your own history your own relationships, the legacies that exist, that you're picking up. Do you know what I mean? Like, 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 I, and I just think, and I just think it's, uh, uh, there's, you know, my basic line is, and you know, we talk about this a lot. It's like, do your own work. Yeah. You have to do your own work. And that is where that is anti-fragile.
1: Right. Exactly. That, that, is, yeah.
0: a, that is anti-fragile, anti-fragile, like, like that is an anti-fragile stance. Mm-hmm. By engaging with my own lineage and breathing it in and wherever, whether that is a lineage lineage of 244 years of slavery or a lineage of 500 years of colonialization mm-hmm. in your family. Right. Right. Like engaging with that lineage and understanding it and breathing it in is actually a way of becoming anti-fragile. It's actually a way of reaching a sense of per- reaching a state of personal uh, I don't, I'm, I'm, I lose the words, but it's something like resilience mm-hmm. to be able to be in some of the most needed conversations that, uh, are happening around race, class, gender, right. wealth, power. Like we have to have done our own work to be able to yeah. be in those conversations. Right.
1: And don't you feel like Tim, I mean, I guess I I'm making an assumption, but it feels to me like, um, once you do your own work, then you can go do the reading and it, it's lands differently. It's like, Oh, good Completely information. Right? Yes. It's good information. Okay, that yes. makes some sense to me, or that doesn't quite fit, or uh, but it's exactly. not just kind of like asking you to uh, swallow whole. And not, so, you're not waiting
0: for somebody to give you the truth,
1: right? Right? Right?
0: Oh, someone's figured it out for me. Thank God! Right. I can just go study them.
1: Exactly. Exactly. It's
0: like be a student of your own life in some ways.
1: Yeah, because we all have it all in there. It's all and in all of our history, too,
0: isn't it? You know, it's like it's like. My granddad was amazing, but he also, he also like ran the riots in Salon. I mean, I know I use that example, but it's just like so obvious for Mm -hmm, me, mm -hmm. you know, like during independence, you know, and, and so, and yet he was gorgeous to me.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: He was gorgeous to me, like of the, of all the people in my family, I felt most loved by him. Yeah. You know? And so it's just like, there it is. Yep. There it is. Yeah, you know? And so, uh, and so it's like, it's like, it's, you're right. It's like when we go into that, in into those stories that are so intimately connected to us, we find both we're drunk and we're standing on the edge of the roof. Right. And we find the hope.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: The gift, the power mm-hmm. to stand in the face of it and take the next step. That
1: feels like a good place to end. So, my song today is by a group called Beautiful Chorus, and they have a a song called Faith's Hymn. It has no words. It is just their voices mingling together. I find it a profoundly hopeful song. It is like that kind of deep hope, which may be part of what we're talking about resisting. On the surface, hope that's like, yeah, we got this, right? Like this is like a deep river flowing hope. Like this is continuous. This is deep.
0: I'm going to resist reading one of my poems and I'm going to read a different one. I'm going to read a... Why?
1: uh, I I think people love your poems. Are we we resisting for a reason?
0: I don't know. It's like I wrote it a long time ago, so it's not completely reflective of how Mm. I feel these days, you know, though it has elements of the conversation we've been in today. So maybe with Mm. that caveat, I can read it, you know, like because I was going to read another one from Thomas Merton. All right, I'll read it. But I want to say that, like, I wrote this a long time ago. It was the first... Poem I ever turned into a song with Gary Blakemore, who does the music for our
1: podcast. Ah,
0: and we had, nice. we had a band called, uh, my first ever band, we had a band called Kong Scar because of this, this, this particular piece of writing. Hmm. Anyway. I've so, heard that word
1: before. Yeah.
0: I just, so I just offer this poem as a perspective I had as a younger man, maybe. Hmm. I just read about the coming of the ice age, earth's rage, the mighty mother, the sage, turning another page of evolution a natural solution. The vibration of creation, melting ice caps into the Gulf Stream flows. European heating system blows beyond repair. My mother, father, sister, brother live there. Stop, bear witness, take a long good stare. Digest our reality and start to care. The planet's moving on. We all be living in the final swan song. The future's coming on strong like King Kong. We all be the hapless maiden, looking in his big brown eyes, beginning to realise it's all beyond our control, bigger than we'll ever be. See, fuck the swan song, this is the King Kong song, and we ain't got no choice but to go along. There are no more prizes for predicting the rain, the pain, new starts, it's time to build the arcs. What's my contribution at this crazy time? Am I going to whine, complain about the pain, the fact we all seem to be going insane? No, trust in surprise. Integrity has no compromise. Release all ties, open the eyes. Our survival seems hit and miss, like the world's just taken the piss. A final good night kiss. All this material wealth, the illusion of bliss, it's a big mistake. It's time to rape the fallen leaves. Autumn choices, then winter bereaves. Autumn choices, then winter bereaves. Not everyone will make it. We can't fake it. There's no hiding from this colliding with the end of an era. It's never been clearer. Some will get left behind, linger in our minds. There remains to find in millions of years as we discover again our evolution from homo-confusion to homo-luminum. There are no more prizes for predicting the rain, the pain, new starts. It's time to build the arcs. So gather now at our community centers with friends and mentors and elders. We all be the welders of the fragmentation on the edges of the new space station, the builders of the ark. Right here, the heroes gather undercover, sensing the future with sown a sound. The builders of the boats abound, readying for the coming storms. We are the trainers of the warriors who break the norms, yield to the field, drop the shield. What are the skills that are needed to survive? To be one of the ones alive who looks back thinking, holy shit, how did we survive that? What does it take to make the warrior cast? To see our King Kong future coming on fast then look back and know it as the past? This ain't about seeking thrills. We need to get to know the survival skills. Get into training. I'm not exaggerating. I wish I was. This is real. Now, here, it's time to get clear. There's no more prizes for predicting the rain, the pain. New starts time to build the arcs
1: oh nice that i mean it might have been written a long time ago but it feels like really really good for today tim Mm
0: -hmm. thanks bud
1: all right okay that's it for this episode of find the outside the podcast
0: Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts.
1: New episodes of the podcast are available every second Tuesday. If you'd like to get in touch with us about something you heard on the show, you can reach us at podcast at findtheoutside.com.
0: You can find links to any of the resources, poems, books, songs we mentioned during the show in the show notes for this episode over at findtheoutsidecom backslash podcast or in the description for the podcast in the podcast app you're listening to us on.
1: You can find the song we played in today's show and every song we played in previous shows on the playlist we created in Spotify. Just search Find the Outside on Spotify playlists or you can find a link over at findtheoutside.com slash podcast.
0: This episode was edited and produced by Mark Coffin at Sound Good Studio.
1: Theme music for Find the Outside the podcast is by Gary Blakemore. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much. Have a good one.
0: Cheers, folks.